Grace to you in peace from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word to which we turn for our meditation this day is the gospel lesson that we've heard. We pray. O Lord, be gracious unto us and bless your word among us. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, there are things in this book, the Bible, that we as human beings have a little trouble to fully comprehend. Sometimes it almost seems impossible. Take, for example, the the majesty, the, the glory of God himself. Who can comprehend that? Oh, we talk about the majesty of the Rocky Mountains. We sing about it in the song, America the Beautiful, the Purple Mountains Majesty. And picture in your mind's eye a a glorious sunset over the Grand Canyon. And yet those are just created things. Those are not the creator himself. Or think about the joy, the bliss of heaven. Who can fully comprehend that? Oh, we know something about joy. Uh, When a child enters our life, or we get a job promotion, or we purchase a new home, or graduate from school. But how can they compare to the joy of being in the presence of God himself? And then there is, of course, that unwavering, unconditional, undeserved love of God. How do we fully comprehend that? Well, we know something about love. Uh, We are loved by our parents, our spouse, our children, and sometimes even by our brothers and sisters. But how can that love compare to a perfect divine love? The Apostle Paul once prayed for his fellow believers in Ephesus. He said, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how long and wide and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In other words, that this love would so fill you that it would drive away all the worries and cares of life and it would show itself in your life every day. Yes, it takes a miracle of God's grace to comprehend that kind of love. Now, Jesus wanted his hearers to know more and more of that love of God, but he knew it would be difficult. And so he resorted to parables, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus told several parables that depicted the love of God. But probably the most famous is the one that before us today, this parable of the lost son in Luke's gospel, chapter 15. I would like you to hear this story again, but also 
with that miracle of God's grace working in your heart so that you too may begin to grasp that unwavering love of God that he has for you. Jesus says there was a man who had two sons and he loved them both very deeply. He was a wealthy man who had servants and so he took care of his sons. In fact, he gave them the best and finest of everything. A nice home, the best of food and clothing, but most of all, his unwavering love. But then one day, something happened that, uh, well, it must have grieved the father. The younger son asked for his share of the estate. Now, in those days, according to the law, the eldest son would get two-thirds of the share of the estate, and so if there were two sons, the younger would get one-third but still a substantial amount. But remember, this was an inheritance, a gift, something neither one of them earned or worked for or deserved. It was theirs simply because they had been born into the family. But this younger son didn't see it that way. He saw this as his right, that he was entitled to it. It was his own property. Sounds kind of selfish, unappreciative, and that's because it was. But the truly amazing thing is, the father gave him what he asked, even though he must have known what his son would do with that wealth. And here we begin to see the depth of the father's love for his son. I mean, would you give one-third of your hard-earned wealth to someone who was immature and unappreciative? But he did. And the only possible explanation is that this father knew that through all of his words and through all of his warnings, this son who had a desire, a yearning, a longing for the wildlife was not going to be dissuaded. And so the father determined to allow his son to let him see for himself the emptiness, the heartache of this sinful world in the hope that one day he would come to his senses and see all of the goodness he had under his father's care. Yes, it was an act of love. How much does your Heavenly Father love you? Well, enough to give you everything you have and need. When we confess in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, our catechism explains it this way. I believe that God created me and all that exists and that he gave me my body and soul my eyes, ears, and all my members, my mind, and all my abilities. And I believe that God still preserves me by providing food and drink, clothing and shoes, house and home, spouse and children, and all I need for my body and life. And God still preserves me by guarding and protecting me from all evil. And all this God does only because he is my good and merciful Father in heaven 
and not because I have earned or deserved it. And for all this, I ought to thank and praise to serve and obey him. But do we? There are times we're like this lost son who assume that these things are really ours by right, that we own them, and we can do with them as we please, and so we use them for our own purposes and fail to share them with others or with God. One of the common questions that confirmation students often ask is, did God know before he created the world that Adam and Eve would sin against him? And the obvious answer is yes. So why did he still do it? Well, the only possible explanation is that God still loved Adam and Eve and he wanted them to enjoy his good creation and living in his presence even though he knew they would sin against him. And it's no different for us today. Yes, God knew that when he brought us into this world that we would be born and conceived in sin. And that every day of our life, we would continue to sin against him for all of our days. And yet, God still loved us. He wanted us to enjoy his good creation in living in his presence, even though he knew that we would sin against him. The Apostle Paul told the Athenians, From one man, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, he determines the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. He did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Yes, we are here today because of an act of God's love. Now, this younger son acted unfortunately, as his father expected. As soon as he received all that from his father, he gathered everything and went off to a distant country as far away from his father as possible. And there, he squandered everything in wild living. It's true that sin and riches and fame, they, they seem appealing at first, but they never really do satisfy, do they? They never really give us the joy that they promised. I mean, what would it be like to be the richest person in the world? Do riches make you happy? But you might say, well, I'd give most of it away. I'd, I'd share it with others. I'd support the ministry of my church. I'd, I'd pay off the debt. But by doing so, you deprive the rest of us of the joy of giving to support the Lord's work in a sacrificial way. Yes, really, would we want our hopes to be dashed in an instant? Well, for this younger son, his downfall came quickly. After the money was gone, he had nothing. And there came a famine. It couldn't have been a more inconvenient time. Oh, I suppose it could have. He could have contracted an incurable disease or 
something worse. At least he still had his life. But that's about all. He was hungry, so hungry, that he would have easily eaten the pods that were given to the pigs that he was feeding. How bad does sin get sometimes? Well, it gets so bad that sometimes we lash out at even those we love in anger or abuse. It gets so bad that sometimes we are chronically discouraged or depressed or fearful. It gets so bad that sometimes we want nothing at all to do with God or his church or even life itself. It's a critical time in a person's life and you can either follow the path leading to ruin and destruction or or you can turn to the Lord, your Heavenly Father, which leads to peace and hope and joy. And that's what this younger son did. He thought of his father. And he thought, maybe my father has just an ounce of love and kindness and forgiveness left for me that, that he would take me back but only as a hired hand. I would be a servant, but at least I have something to eat. Verse 20, we read, So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Yes, all this time, the father had been waiting for his son. He was longing to see him. And when he saw him, he was filled with compassion that his son had to go through such misery and pain in life. He embraced him as if nothing had ever changed. Because really it hadn't. He was still his son. And he had an unwavering, unconditional, undeserved love for him. Now the point of Jesus' parable is this. Our Heavenly Father has an unwavering, unconditional, undeserved love for lost sinners. We call it His grace. I mean, it really is the Lord of heaven and earth whom we have offended. This is the same God who drove Adam and Eve out of the garden after they sinned against him. But before doing so, he first gave them a promise of a savior who would crush Satan under his feet. This was the same God who destroyed the world at the time of the flood. But before doing so, he told Noah to warn the people for 120 years. Yes, this was the same God who destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for their wickedness. But if only ten righteous had been found there, he would have spared them as well. Yes, God would not have the sinner die, but rather that they turn from their sin, turn to him, and be saved. And you know what? He forgives us even before we ask. 
Paul says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, he didn't wait for us to come to him. He reached out to us while we were still in our sin. And he sent his son, our Savior Jesus, who by his living and by his dying and by his rising again has declared us right and holy with God our Heavenly Father. We are his very own by faith in him. And it isn't that he just forgives us, but he also blesses us. This father in the parable would hear nothing about his son's desire to be only a hired servant. Rather, he told his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead is alive again, he was lost, and is found. You know, sometimes we think, even though God forgives me, I'm not so sure that he's going to bless me again, especially after the way I've lived and behaved. But nothing could be farther from the truth. God blesses us beyond our wildest expectations. For first of all, he makes us his very own. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And then he turns our life around. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And then he pours out on us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And finally, he promises us the gift of heaven. So that we need never lack anything in this life or the life to come. As David said in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Yes, it is my prayer for you, just as was Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, that you may be given the power to grasp that unwavering, unconditional, undeserved love of God for you. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.